water bottle under here. Oh, who did this? It has a heart on it. Says Cassandra over the heart. <laughs> Wait, what? That was Mark Ratto? What the heck? <laughs> Candace. Oh, good afternoon, Itaewon. Oh my gosh, hold on. Oh man, I'm so excited to uh, just be up here today speaking. Uh, this is my first time speaking on a Sunday. And um, if there's any place that I would want to speak on a Sunday, it would be right here with my Itaewon family. So I'm super excited. Um, this is by far the most fun I've ever had preparing a message. So yeah, usually it's like, stress and freaking out and like praying in tongues in my room just hoping I can get something together but this was totally different so I'm really excited to share with you guys today what the Lord has been speaking to me and um yeah so the the background of kind of how this message came about wait pause let me introduce myself My name's Cassandra. Um, I'm one of the core leaders. I serve as a core leader here in New Philly, and I'm also part-time staff as an administrator. So, yeah, I think I've been around at Itaewon since the very beginning in King Bar. So, yeah, that's who I am. Um, anyway, the history of this message a little bit. Uh, two weeks ago, when we were at Friday Fire, uh, they were playing a song. And it's called, he, he is Yahweh, His Name is Yahweh, something like that, He is Yahweh. And the song was so powerful. And it's, uh, basically, the song just kind of talks about He's Creator God, His name is Yahweh. And He's a righteous son, His name is Yahweh. And He's three in one, His name is Yahweh. And so you just continuously repeat His name through this song. And as I was doing that, I was just overwhelmed and just flooded with all this emotion, and I just started to cry. And as I was sitting there singing Yahweh, 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 I was getting these visions in my mind of the Red Sea and Moses and, you know, Jesus walking on water and Paul and his eyes, the scales coming off of his eyes and all these things that have happened throughout the Bible from Yahweh. And it was so powerful. So actually... For the next couple of days, I just listened to that song on repeat. I kept singing it over and over. I just kept crying in my room by myself. And um, so that's kind of where this message is coming from. So as I was in that, I just was really drawn to Moses, to the Red Sea. That was kind of what was coming the most. And yeah, so I was drawn to that passage. And that's where this comes from. So... Um, Let's open your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 3. Oh, shoot. I forgot to tell them in advance. Um, If you don't have a Bible, share with someone next to you, because it's going to be a little bit important that you kind of see the words in front of you. So just kind of share with your neighbor. Um, We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 16. So let's read it together, but it's kind of long, so um, we'll go every other. Um, I will take four. I'll take even, and you guys take odd, okay? All right, so let's go. I will start here. 
Oh, I'm reading from the ESV, but it doesn't matter. Whatever version you have, just read along. Uh, Excuse me. But the king of Egypt said to him, just kidding, that... (laughs) Wow. I was looking at the place in the Bible where it was in my other Bible, but it was like the wrong chapter totally. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Start again. Verse 4 of chapter 3. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you sh- shall serve God on this mountain. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Go and say to the elders of Israel together and say to them, oh, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Amen. Amen. So I wanted first to read, to read it so you guys know what we're going to talk about, know what's happening, but... First, it's important to get the historical context of where we are in this passage, okay? So, the Israelites had been in Egypt at this point for about 400 years. They went there initially from Joseph, uh, back in Genesis, and um, they had great favor with the Lord, right? So, they were expanding, they were growing in number, they had a lot of favor, and the Pharaoh at that time was afraid that they were going to rise up and overtake, So he wanted to squash them. So first, he made them slaves. And so they were slaved people, but God continued to bless them, continued to prosper them, continued to grow them in number because the Lord is faithful to his promise to them. And when the Pharaoh saw that his plan to make them slaves didn't work, he decided that he was going to order a mass exodus of all of the Hebrew babies. I mean, what the heck? 
mass execution. <laughs> I think those words just always go together. Mass exodus. Oh, my gosh. Okay. A mass execution of all of the Hebrew babies, right? So this is where Moses is born into. A time when Pharaoh said, if you're a boy and you're born, you're going to get thrown into the Nile and eaten by the crocodiles. Moses is, all right. Moses' mother did not want that for him. So she hid him for months. And then when she was too afraid that Pharaoh would find her child, she hid him in a basket and sent him down the Nile. Right? That's totally how they portrayed in the movies, but it wasn't like that. Anyway, she put him in a basket, sent him down the Nile, and then Pharaoh's daughter actually was on the banks. She finds the baby in a basket. She takes it and raises it as her own. So Moses was raised in Egypt by Pharaoh's daughter, which means he had wealth, he had education, and the Bible says that he was powerful in word and deed. So Moses grew up as an extremely powerful guy, right? He was not weak. He was not some, like, orphaned Hebrew who was kind of that, you know, redheaded stepchild that was kind of like, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that saying before. He wasn't like that. He was powerful, and he was educated more than probably anybody else, even in Egypt, not, you know, also including the Hebrews. So this is where we pick up. Um, and actually, a little bit before this, when Moses was 40 years old, he, I don't know why, if like God spoke to him or he just had some stirring in his heart, I don't know why, but he decided that he was going to forsake um, kind of who he was. And so he basically disowned Pharaoh's daughter as his mother, forsook saying that he was an Egyptian or growing up in that family, and he wanted to go and be with his Hebrew people. He wanted to be with his people, right? Like, I think he was even feeling that calling, feeling that stirring in advance that he was indeed called to be the savior of these people, the deliverer of these people. And he felt that calling. And so when he saw a Hebrew man getting abused by an Egyptian, he stepped in. And he ended up murdering the Egyptian. And so because of that, he, um, well, people saw, and they called him out on it, and he was afraid that Pharaoh was going to kill him, so he fled. So he's 40 years old. He grew up in Egypt. He's afraid that he's going to get killed, and he flees, and he goes to live in the desert in a place called Midian, and he stays there for 40 years as a shepherd. And so that's where we pick up. He's, he's not young and strong and buff and like this handsome Moses deliverer guy, right? He's like 80, And he's been 40 years a shepherd under the scorching sun in the desert. So he's had it kind of rough, you know. And now, here we are. He's on the mountain. And he sees a bush. Dramatic pause while I drink water. So he sees a bush. And the bush starts on fire. Not actually uncommon at that time. You have this dry bush, you're in a desert, the sun is scorching. It's very easy for stuff to just kindle and start on fire. So there was a great chance, actually, that he could have seen this bush start on fire, not paid any attention to it, and just left. 
But he was intrigued, and he was watching it, and then he noticed that it was on fire, but it wasn't burning. So now he's paying attention. And as he's looking at this bush, paying attention to it, the bush says, Moses, Moses. <clears throat> it was God. Um, I don't know if Moses was aware of this at the time, but whenever God says someone's name twice, he has something very serious to say next, right? When he was talking to Abraham and he called him, he said, Abraham, Abraham. When he had called Jacob, 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 right? Um, even Jesus, when he was on the cross and he was crying out to God, he said, my God, my God. So when someone says a name twice, it means something very important is going to follow. So God calls him, and in verse 6, it, uh, oh yeah, in verse 6, um, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, why did Moses hide his face? I don't think he was actually afraid, per se, of, you know, like, spooky afraid. And I don't think that he was suddenly embarrassed because he was talking to a bush. And no one else was around to see. So I don't think that he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm talking to a bush. And it's talking back to me, you know. And I don't think that he was shocked by what had happened because the bush had already said his name and was on fire and wasn't burning. So it's not like the whole thing that was happening was so shocking that he had to hide his face, right? So why did he hide his face? Why was Moses afraid? Now, some of the commentaries agree that it wasn't just Moses kind of turning his head aside, that he wasn't just, ooh, you know, but that it was actually that he fell down, prostrate, before the bush. And I also don't think that it was like some sort of superhero type, you know, lightning strike that he was hiding from. You know, God's like, I'm the God of Abraham. <laughs> Get down, Moses. I am the God of Isaac. <laughs> Get down, Moses. <laughs> God of Jacob. You know, I don't think it was like that. Because Moses is the author of Exodus, and I'm pretty sure that if something like that had happened to him, he would have written it. Can you imagine? Moses like, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Oh, that's, that's what I was envisioning as I was reading this. Anyways, it's not like that. The reason he fell, the reason he hid his face was because when God said to him, I am the father, I'm the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The power that was behind his name was enough to literally drop him to the floor. It was the power of God's name that made Moses hide his face, not in scary fear, but under the fear of the Lord. 
And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the power behind a name. So from this passage, I gathered three things that God wants to do when he's speaking his name to us. And before I share the first one with you, wait, am I doing that? Am I waiting? What am I doing? Let me read my notes. Yes, I'm waiting. Before I share with you what the first thing is, so you can write it in your notebook, is when Moses heard him say, I'm the God of your father, instantly his brain would go someplace, right? What would happen in his brain? He would say, I'm the God of your father. My father, he's a Hebrew. I was born a Hebrew. I am a Jew. I was born, but I was raised in Egypt, this land of slavery. My people are still in Egypt. And all this would start going through his head, right? And when he said then, I am the God of Abraham, instantly what would happen is his brain, in his brain is God of Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. God told Abraham that he would set up his people to go into the promised land, to be a mighty nation, to be as many as the stars in the sky, right? I'm the God of Isaac. What does that mean when he, when he heard it in his head? He would be reminded of the promise that he spoke to Abraham and Sarah when they were old to say, you are going to have a child. And it seemed impossible, but they had Isaac. And then when he said, I'm the God of Jacob, Instantly, what would come to his mind is Jacob. He's Israel. God changed his name to Israel, and he had 12 sons. And they were the founding fathers of the ones that came to Egypt and the ones that have been living in Egypt and multiplying these people ever since. Instantly, that would all come to his mind. So the first thing that God wants to do when he shares his name with us is remind us. He wants to remind us of who he is. He wants to remind us of everything he's promised. He wants to remind us of everything he's done in the past, everything he's been faithful to set up up until this point. He doesn't want us to forget. You know, just, um, I don't know if you guys remember Pastor Aaron's message. I'm sure you do, but she preached a message uh, later last year about remember when. Remember that time when God did this for you. Remember that time when God healed you of this. Remember that time when God spoke this to you. Remember that time, right? And it's so easy for us to forget. It's actually easy for us to forget to remember that God speaks his name to us. All he does is says a name. I'm the God of Abraham. And instantly, your brain is going to go to that place of remembering. He doesn't even have to get us to try to be in a place of remembering. He doesn't have to remind us to remember. He just says his name. That's all it takes. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Remember that time I provided for you when you were in lack? I'm Jehovah Rapha. Remember that time when you were sick? You came to church and people prayed for you and then I healed you. Right? 
God wants to remind us. And there's power just simply in him speaking his name. And not only in reminding us and bringing us back to that place, what it does is when he speaks his name, it sets our perspective back into right order. It reminds us of where we were, but where we're supposed to be, where we are now, right? Moses was in the desert, and he had a desert mindset. And what that means is he believed the desert was the place he was supposed to be. That this was his calling. This was just where he was meant to be for now because everything else didn't work out. Right? And he was okay with that. I've been in the desert 40 years now. I'm 80 years old. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to get by. I'm not even going to dream about my destiny anymore. I'm just going to get by. I'm just going to wait it out. The sun's too hot. Things are too hard. The desert is too hard. I'm a shepherd. Things are fine. I have a family. I'm just going to wait it out. But that was a desert mindset. And when God came and spoke his name to him and said, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham. He brought him back to his actual destiny. You are supposed to be a deliverer of these people. You are not supposed to be a shepherd in this desert. Get your mind right, Moses. It shifts our perspective out of that place of us just settling, right? One thing that um, I think was really cool also is that Moses had no idea, but in that moment, God was setting up for him a reminder time, a remember when time, right? So we're not going to talk about it in the message, but, you know, spoiler alert, Moses saves the Israelites from Egypt. (laughs) He goes, he gets them, he delivers them, they come out, right? Now, he's here, sorry if I ruined the story. He's here. God is speaking to him in a bush that's on fire. Later, when he is crossing the Red Sea with the Israelites, when he is hearing them grumble, when he is thinking, what the heck is going on? I'm back in the desert. I'm back in the wilderness. I don't know how to do this, God. I don't know how to lead these millions of people. But God came, and in the day, to protect them, in the day, he came with pillar of cloud, and at night, he came with a pillar of fire. So I imagine that every time, then, that God came by night with a pillar of fire, Moses would see that fire and instantly remember the time that God spoke to him in that bush that was on fire. And it's a remember. Moses, remember when I called you out of your desert mindset. Moses, remember that time when I spoke your destiny to you, right? He was even at that time setting up a remember when moment. Just simply by his name, just simply by who he is, he was doing that. I just think that was really cool as I was kind of reading through stuff. Um, 
same, I mean, the same is for us, you know? Like, even right now, God is setting up times that in the future, this season of your life, he's going to bring back to your memory. And this season, the things that God is speaking to you right now, he's going to call back to your mind later when you're having a hard time. You know, that's why things like keeping a journal or, you know, even stuff like that is just so important to remember what is God speaking to you. Remember those moments when God is encountering you, what he's saying, because he wants to use this later in the future. Life isn't always going to be easy. It's not always going to be just this perfect set out road where we don't ever feel difficult emotions, right? So God is going to call these times to remembrance. So it's important to pay attention right now what God is speaking right now. Um, The second thing from the passage that God does when he speaks his name is he calls us. Okay, he speaks his goodness and his faithfulness. He reminds us of who we are and what he's done, and then he calls us. So take a look back at verse 7 through 9. And uh, basically here, I'm not going to... Actually, I will read it. I will read it for you. Uh, God says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land. There's a lot of other names there that I don't want to read again. And then verse 9, he says, Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. If you notice the language that he's saying there, he's saying I, which refers to himself. I have come down to deliver them. I have heard their cry. I have seen their oppression. I am their deliverer, right? Even right now, he's speaking his identity to Moses. He's saying, I'm a deliverer, God. I am a God who hears. I am a God who pays attention to the cries of my people. And then if you look at verse 10, it says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt. Um, uh, I would have been like, God, you just told me you're the deliverer. You are the one who was sent. This has nothing to do with me. Okay, this is your plan, your idea. You just ambushed me here with this like fire thing. This is your plan, okay? That's what I would have been like. Mm -mm. Because Moses is thinking, what does this have to do with me? Right? But when God speaks his identity to us, it has everything to do with us. So he said to Moses, I'm the God of freedom. I'm a deliverer. I'm a God who hears the cries of my people. That means, Moses, you are a deliverer. Why? Because Moses is made in God's image. Right? If you look at verse 10, the ESV version says, Come, I will send you. But the NASB version I like much more. It has the word, therefore. Very important word and extremely strategic in this time. God says, 
I'm a God who delivers. I'm a God who hears. I'm a God who sees the cries of my people. Therefore, I'm going to send you. Right? Therefore means because. Because I'm a deliverer, Moses, you are the one who's going to set them free. Because I hear the cries of my people, you're going to go speak to my people. Right? That's what God does for us. He speaks his identity to us, and then it speaks our identity. He reveals his identity. We get a revelation of ours. Even the same thing when in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Yes, Peter, you are right. I am, and you are blessed because God gave you this revelation and not man. Right? Jesus, right then, was revealing that he was the Messiah. That he was the one that the Jewish people had waited for to come as their savior. He was speaking his identity to Peter, but what he was doing was calling Peter to his identity. He was saying, Peter, I am the savior, but you are going to go save my people. Because later in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach, and in one day, more than 3,000 people got saved. They believed in Jesus, right? And that was Jesus speaking his identity, but Peter getting a revelation of his, even if he didn't know it yet. If you pay attention to the names that God is saying to you right now, what is he saying? What is he calling out to you? Like, what is he revealing to you right now about his identity? If he's saying, I'm a God who heals, you are a healer. Right? He says, I am a God who provides, therefore, you will provide for my people. I am a savior, God. Therefore, you will bring salvation to the lost. I am a God who delivers. Therefore, you will set the captives free. I am a God of compassion. Therefore, you will bind up the brokenhearted. You will speak to them. You will set my heart on them. You will show them my love. I am Savior God, but you are going to save my people. It's an invitation to step into the calling that God has for your life. His revealing who he is to us is an invitation for us to step into it. Why? Because we're made in his image. We are filled with his spirit. He lives inside of us. How then can we not be what he says he is, right? He calls us when he speaks his name to us. But how many of you know that when we get that call, sometimes we get afraid, right? I am a deliverer of God. Therefore, you will go and set the people free. (laughs) 
right? It is scary. If he's speaking to you, what? To go save people, to be an evangelist, like, that's scary, right? Sometimes we get afraid. And Moses was afraid, very much. In verse 11, even, we see that he says to God, God, who am I that I should go to Egypt? Why are you talking to me right now? Right? He felt ill-equipped. He didn't feel worthy. Why? Because he was even shifting back into that desert mindset even then. Right? All he could remember at that moment was all the times he had failed. I'm not a deliverer, God. I tried that one time. Don't you remember? I tried to set that guy free, and I ended up killing someone else. I became a bigger sinner. (laughs) Right? And he was a runaway. He was a coward. He was supposed to be the deliverer that he thought, and then he ran away. He couldn't even stand up to Pharaoh, who was someone of his own family. And then here he was living this, you know, I can't think of the word, like second, half life, uh, what, is, what is that word? Like half good life. <laughs> less than, less than, this less than life. I don't even know if that's it either. Anyways, he's in the desert, you know. Even though he doesn't believe that he's a deliverer anymore, he still knows that he's not called to be a shepherd in the desert. He might not believe one, but he doesn't believe the other. He's kind of in this middle point, right? That's all he knows. And he's afraid. And he says, God, I am not the one that you are supposed to be talking to right now. I am not the one that you are supposed to call. He needed inspiration. Now, for New Philly, you guys may know, it's the year of inspiration. And I think a lot of us, when we hear that, instantly we think of ideas, creativity, art, music, you know, dance or graphic stuff, right? Creative type stuff. That's instant. <laughs> Whatever. That's, that's instantly what we think of. But inspiration doesn't just mean creativity. And if that's what you've been thinking, I want you to shift your mind right now. That you might be even thinking, mm, this, year, this year of inspiration isn't for me. I don't want to be creative. I'm not creative. I don't care about that. Right? But inspiration is about something more, right? One definition that I looked up of inspiration, where did I write it? Oh, it says, inspiration is to affect or guide, to fill with enlivening or exalting emotion, to stimulate to action, to motivate, to draw forth. That's inspiration, Right, so think about a time when you guys were younger, right? Where maybe somebody in your life inspired you. Maybe a teacher, right? That's always what we used to think of as inspiration. <gasps> oh, he inspires me or she inspires me, right? 
It's someone that you look at their life and it makes you want to be like that. It makes you want to do more than what you're doing now. You know, you see someone who is accomplishing some kind of goal and you're like, I'm so inspired to even go after my goals, right? You get inspired to dream bigger, to take on things that you never would have, to think beyond where you think you can think. Inspiration is about a call to something more. And so when God was speaking his name to Moses, he was inspiring him for more. He was saying, Moses, I am the God who is a deliverer. Look at me. Be inspired by me. Be inspired by what I do. Be inspired by my character. Right? And so in that place of fear, though Moses was still afraid for quite a few verses after, he, I imagine, was thinking, maybe I can. Maybe if I just look and I can follow this, right? I can be like this. I can dream bigger. I can do this. That's what happens when God reveals who he is to us. It calls us to something higher. It gives us courage. It brings us back out of the desert mindset. Um, Moses then asked God, Oh, wait, actually, when he asked God, like, who am I that you are sending me, right? Who am I? Um, The response that God gave him was that two more times he said exactly what he said before. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is my name forever. Don't forget it, right? And then he said it again, because Moses asked him again. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every time he said that again, it would be solidified again and again and again. Remember, remember, take the call, take the call, right? Um, I think it's interesting, too, that that Moses asked, um, actually, I'm sorry, that God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he said, go tell the people of Israel, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he said, go tell the elders of Israel, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he was revealing his destiny, his call, this reminder, this inspiration. He was saying it to Moses, but he was also saying it to all of the people of Israel and all of the elders of Israel just by saying it to Moses. So now when, because Moses asked God, well, when I go and tell them that God has sent me, they're going to ask me, who is sending me? What do I say? Right? You tell them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what's that going to do? Instantly, 
Oh, our fathers, we are Hebrews. We have this promise. We have this covenant. We have this call. He has been faithful up until now. This is who is calling us, right? And the thing is that the Israelites had been in Egypt for 400 years. So most likely at that point, they were worshiping Egyptian gods. So when Moses was imagining that they would ask him this question, the reason he said that is probably because the Israelites were going to say, which God is answering our prayers? We've been praying for someone to deliver us. We've been praying to this God, this God, this God, this God. Who's answering our prayers? Expecting it to be any one of how many, right? And when Moses would go then and say, I am who I am has sent me. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, that one. (laughs) Right? Instantly, you can imagine they're like, oh. Because what had happened was God hadn't spoken for a long time. The Israelites probably thought that he didn't speak anymore or that he wasn't anymore or that the covenant was passed or the promise had passed. But when God was saying this again, what he was saying is, "Uh uh-uh, I am who I am means I exist, period. I wasn't created. I wasn't born. I wasn't made. I can't be killed. I can't end. I can't begin. I am who I am. Right there, uh, Israelites. Oh, okay. Let's get out of here. You know? It would inspire them and give them courage to leave because not only was Moses probably afraid to go lead them out, they were afraid to leave. They have lived here, set up camp, established themselves for 400 years. Even though they were slaves, that would be hard to leave. And they, I'm sure, were afraid also. So God was reminding, inspiring, and calling them. Now, I said that there were three things that God does. But I have one more thing to say. But don't write a number four yet. Don't. In your notebook. Don't write number four. Okay. If you were writing like one, he reminds. Number two, he calls, right? Don't write number four. He uses his name, speaks his name to remind and call and inspire us. But another thing that he does is he gives us a new name and he uses that to remind us and call us and inspire us. There are so many examples in the word where God gave someone a new name. And what that was to do was to give them a completely new identity, right? He said, Abram, you are now Abraham, the father of many, right? The father of promise, the father of covenant, the father of whatever it was, the father of a lot of things. And he said, Jacob, you are no longer Jacob. Jacob meant like the one who grabs at the heel or something. Right? Your whole life, 
I am the one who grabs at the heel. Right? He said, no, you are not that. You are Israel. Man, that is a crazy calling. That is a crazy new identity. Saul to Paul. Right? I, I looked at, I don't know exactly, don't quote me on this, but one little thing that I looked at for like two seconds said that Saul meant death. He was a persecutor of Christians. He killed them. So to have your name be death and to have your identity be someone who kills, and then God comes and wipes it away and says, you are Paul. You are someone else, right? (laughs) Why is that funny? (laughs) You are. Well... Yes. Um, to tell you guys just briefly, um, myself, uh, when we were at the New Philly retreat last year in May, I was, uh, Pastor Sunny was preaching, I was at the altar, um, just praying about whatever, and I felt the Lord even say to me, ask me what your name is. I didn't even ask him. I wasn't having anything about a new name on the brain, right? But Ask me what your name is. And I prayed, and God revealed to me this new name, and I'm not kidding you, it completely changed who I was. Like, after that time, I was totally different, right? Not that I was in this even place of badness, but even having someone call you something greater, something better, something bigger. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You are going to go higher, right? You can be at your highest of highs. And when God speaks to you a new identity, you are going higher. Completely, radically transform my life. And I can tell you with 185% certainty that the reason I'm even standing here today is because of that name. If you asked me before, even a year ago, to get up here and take a microphone and even, like, do the welcomers thing, (laughs) I probably would have cried and then thrown up. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I would have, like, passed out, vomited on myself. (sighs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) So... What I want us to do today is we are going to ask God. God, what name are you revealing to me today? It doesn't even have to be a new name for yourself. God may have already spoken something to you. It doesn't have to be for yourself. But God, what name of yours are you speaking to me? What name of yours do you want to reveal that will bring to mind something I need to remember? What name of yours are you speaking that you want me to step into? Right? Do you have a new name for me? Is there something more that you want to say to me about my identity? We're going to ask God, and we're just going to sit in a, if Oh, Lydia, if I can have you just play for a little bit. Um, yeah, I want us just to ask God. 
Because he is revealing. It's not a matter of whether he will or will not reveal. It's that he is revealing. He's in this place and he is speaking. And he will begin to reveal a name to each and every one of us today. A name that is going to call us higher. A name that's going to inspire us for something that we need inspiration for. It's going to give us courage. So I want everyone just begin to think maybe about an area where you have a desert mindset. And you need God to speak into that. Or an area where you have fear. And ask God to begin to speak into that. Not just to speak into it, but say, God, reveal your name to me. See, that was the coolest thing about what he did for Moses was that he didn't have to say anything but his name. Just begin to pray.